Welcome back to another edition of our Four Questions Journalist Spotlight, uh, a bonus for the week. Uh, we talked to Nicole Smith from the AJC uh, just the other day, and uh, now we've got a bonus uh, interview this week. We've got talking with Haston Willis, who is a, a freelance journalist based here in Atlanta. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to first, first question I'm going to kind of ask, Haston, give us a, kind of an overview, kind of what What's your background? What kind of stories do you write? And uh, you know, as a freelance journalist, who do you work for usually? Uh, sure. I don't know exactly how much detail you want me to go into with uh, that. Just, just uh, kind of overview. Okay. Sure. Sure. I'm a Georgia native, born in uh, Columbus, Georgia. I was raised in Douglasville, kind of on the outskirts of Atlanta. Uh, went to Georgia Southern um, and got a music degree down there, and then got a journalism degree from a school called Fresno State, way out in California. I uh, came back here after that, got my first job with the Douglas County Sentinel, which was my hometown paper. Uh, that was a great experience. You think you know your hometown until you work for the paper, <laughs> and then you learn that you didn't really know much about your hometown after all. Um, but I moved to Smyrna uh, in 2013. I've been here uh, seven years now. Um, let's see. After uh, Douglas County Sentinel, I went to the Marietta Daily Journal and was there for a little while. I uh, spent about two years at France Media, uh, which is in Buckhead. That is a uh, it's the nation's largest pu publisher of commercial real estate trade magazines. I was actually the editor of the Texas Magazine for them uh, for two years, even though I was based here in Atlanta. And then since 2016, I've been a freelancer full-time. I'm in my backyard office right now. It's something I uh, built myself here. Uh, and it will, in order to do that, um, I write for the Washington Post, the uh, U.S. News and World Report, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I still write for France Media a good bit. I write for Georgia Trend, uh, Cobden Focus, uh, hyperlocal we have here called the Cobb County Courier, a uh, magazine called Diversity in Action. Uh, I'm trying to think any other regulars I have. I've, I've done stuff for probably a dozen more. Uh, you know, just one-offs, but those are kind of the main clients. I have. Yeah, well, if you, if you think of something else that, that you forgot while we're talking, definitely toss toss it in there. We're giving, giving, give, everybody, <laughs> give everybody credit, right? Right, right. Um, I'll leave it back out, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we've seen some changes in how journalists are, are working since the pandemic started, uh, you know, in terms of how they interact with sources, how they file stories, how they write their stories subject you know what what have you experienced since beginning of march in terms of how your job and what you cover and how you cover it has changed sure i think for me the impact has not been as large as it has been for some other journalists i already worked at home all the time i already set my own schedule and my own hours i think those were things that were, were a big shock to a lot of people having to you know you decide when you start working and you decide when you stop i'd already been doing that for three and a half years so I was, I was more used to it and more ready for it in that respect. I already did a good bit of my interviews over the phone as well, so that didn't change. Um, but, but of course, the impact at the same time was, was enormous. Um, the biggest thing for me was I'm, I'm having to go out and pitch people on story ideas. And um, at first, maybe like a lot of people, I was in a little bit of denial about the whole COVID thing. And, uh, I started, I kept pitching stories that were not COVID stories through the middle of March. And I got a few responses back that were like, this is a cool pitch, but it's not about COVID. And so we're not going to run it. So I, right. I finally realized I was going to have to do pretty much all, uh, all coronavirus all the time for a few months. Um, so I was able to adjust that way. Uh, obviously, it's, it's a lot different now. 
the things I was doing in person, I was started doing over the phone. Um, gosh, and, and I have been going out lately. I covered the protests last week. I'll be covering um, some of the election stuff tomorrow. And of course, I'll be going out with a mask and that kind of thing. You know, when you're talking to somebody, I try to keep, you know, distance, um, all, all that kind of stuff. So the, the coverage has been different and kind of the precautions you have to take when you're speaking to people are, are different. Are you finding with the pandemic stories, or are you going to them with stories or are they, you being more assigned stories, publications calling you? Yeah, it depends on the publication. Um, like U.S. News, I usually have to pitch them. Um, I've done some, a few stories for them about, um, about uh, excuse me, about coronavirus. Mitch, you helped me on one of those. It was about uh, Best Friends. Animal oh, yeah. Society of right. yep. uh, about people uh, had actually there been an, an increase in people adopting dogs. So I did a story for U.S. News. I, I pitched them. Uh, the Post called me uh, for a few a few stories when Albany was being hit so hard with coronavirus. They called me and wanted me to go down there, which was uh, to be honest, a pretty scary proposition going into kind of the the, the big hotspot in Georgia to cover coronavirus. But I, I went ahead and did it, and was glad I did. Uh, when Georgia was the first state to start reopening a lot of business businesses, um, I went with Kevin Lyles, and um, this was up with the post there. We went out in person and interviewed people, bowling alleys, um, uh, barbershops, all that kind of stuff was was pretty scary. So, um, what, what was the question again? <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of, kind of we're kind of talking about what what's different about how you, how you were reporting during the pandemic. Um, and oh then, yeah. Yeah, I think and you answered you answered that. That, that was good. Okay, cool. That's yeah. what I, that's what we were looking for. But yeah. so then and the, so then the uh, the protest started, and obviously you got uh, <clears throat> started covering those. Um, mm -hmm. What did you what did you see as a journalist trying to cover that? Did, did you? I, I know a lot of journalists were trying to kind of be a little bit a uh, little more ambiguous when they were down there. Uh, and, and as a print journalist, you're not getting your camera. Or, or a live how, how, what was your feeling going down there and being in the in the midst of all of that? Yeah, so that was another kind of scary phone call to get from the post. They want you to go cover those protests. On one hand, of course, you're extremely excited just to be covering the big the big event, and it is for you know a, a pretty big, well-known outlet. Uh, but also, it was a little nerve-wracking to get the, to get that call to to go to cover it at all. Um, but uh, but what was I? What was I kind of looking for when I went down there? Is that what you're asking? Well, yeah. Did you did you do anything different? You know, before you went down there in terms of preparation or kind of thinking about okay, do I need to be careful? I mean, yeah, what was? I, yeah. Yeah, I um, I called Kevin Lyles again, who's a freelancer, a freelance photographer. He had been down there on Saturday night. I I first covered the protests on Sunday night, so I called him and kind of asked what he recommended. And he, he told me a few things, you know, just to be careful, watch out for your surroundings. And I brought my mask. And then what I kind of did when I got there was I kind of slowly uh, got closer and closer to the epic center of where the debates were, which is basically right in front of the CNN Center, kind of where the CNN Center meets Centennial Park, trying to sort of calibrate myself. You know, how intense is this experience going to be, right? Um, and so after a while, you know, I heard all the chanting and that kind of stuff. And the, the scariest thing initially was that there were fireworks going off. People were, uh, some people were setting off fireworks like in the streets. And I don't mean little like snakes and sparklers, like big Fourth of July fireworks going off just a few feet away with a big loud boom and all that. 
Um, but after, but after a few minutes, it, it got where it really wasn't super scary or anything like that. It was like, okay, these people are, are chanting and you know, there's a line of police and that kind of thing. But it, it wasn't uh, anything too bad. I didn't do any special preparations as far as I didn't bring anything I wouldn't normally bring. It was more of a, a mental process, you know, a mental checklist, that kind of thing. I, I did park on um, Marietta Street, or I think it's, it's Decatur Street further east. Uh, which is the street that the protests were on. I parked on the same street. That way, if I did have to run away, I wouldn't have to make any turns, if that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> that would make it kind of easier for me just to okay. have one less thing to worry about if I did have to go away. And eventually, I, that I, that came in handy. Um, about 8.30, a little after 8.30, you could see all the police, uh, all the officers started putting on these these uh, gas masks over their head. And it was became pretty obvious they were about to start throwing out tear gas canisters. Uh, they did. And, uh, you know, as soon as those things hit the ground, they started spewing a bunch of smoke and the whole crowd kind of scattered all at once. You know, but I was part of that crowd uh, running away from the tear gas canisters. So um, needless to say, that was that was pretty interesting as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can imagine between that and the and the fireworks and the and the uh, line of uh, police that could have been a little bit intimidating. Um, yeah. Definitely. And then, you, and then, and then something happened that you perhaps didn't expect. Uh, was that that <laughs> was that Sunday night when that happened? Something yeah, that, that was Sunday night. I, I should right. say I interviewed a few protesters, and they were they were extremely nice. And there was nothing intimidating once you started talking to an individual. People were uh, people were just very nice and cordial, very excited to talk to me. Nobody said they didn't want to be interviewed or anything. And then, yeah, I'm going to assume anyone watching this uh, knows what happened to me. Uh, if you don't, you know, Google Hasten Willis, you can probably find some stories on it. But uh, so I'm not going to go through the entire story. But yes, I was detained by the police uh, Sunday night. The Washington Post had emailed me a uh, credential uh, because I was going to be uh, out after curfew, and that was what's going to be uh, what's going. I was going to show if anybody asked for a credential for why I was out after curfew. Um, and I really didn't think twice about it. I said, okay, cool, I've got that. Didn't really think I'd even need it. Uh, needless to say, that didn't happen. The police, uh, I was approached by the police about 9.30 or so. Um, tried to show them the digital credential, and they, they were not having any of that. I guess they didn't believe I was actually with the Washington Post. And before I knew it, I was in uh, I was in handcuffs and being searched for weapons. So um, luckily, uh, about 10 minutes later, uh, they found my business cards in my back pocket, which I think is what kind of started to convince them. I'm still not really totally sure. Uh, after about 10 minutes, I, I was ultimately let go. Um, you know, short, a short but scary experience. And I learned later it was actually broadcast on CBS 46. From what I understand, I was actually on camera for like five minutes straight. They were just showing me uh, <clears throat> trying to talk my way out of uh, out of being arrested. So that was uh, that was interesting. I'll just put it that way. So, uh, so you're, you're only, you were detained for about 15 minutes. Is that correct? Uh, you're probably walking it up to say 15. I guess, I guess it was between five and 10. I mean, it, it's hard to know. My, my head was really spinning uh, pretty quickly at first. Yeah, it was just, you know, trying to say whatever I could. I was trying to explain myself. You know, I live here in Georgia. I'm not from Washington. I'm a freelancer. You know, that's why I don't have a credential. Uh, the credential came with this phone number. It was the cell phone number of the editor I was working with. So I, I told them I got the phone number you can call, um, you know, trying to say whatever I could to, to convince them I was, in fact, a journalist and therefore did not need to be, uh, you know, sent to jail for the night, right? Um, and I actually got very lightheaded after a while. I wrote about this in a piece for Quill magazine, uh, which is SPJ's national magazine. I started getting lightheaded just, you know, from the kind of uh, adrenaline rush and just being overwhelmed. 
uh, by the whole scene. I asked, asked them if I could sit down, and they said yes. And then uh, pretty pretty soon after that, you know, the blood kind of came back to my head, and I was all right. Uh, but yeah, probably between between five and ten minutes in total. I think. So uh, did you did you think? Uh, hey, maybe I'm going to tweak my uh, my process after that in terms of maybe having a a hard copy credential or something. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah, it's like, okay, that, that didn't work. That didn't go very well, right? <laughs> so the, I did I, I did continue. I filed my story that night, which I'm very proud of, of course. I, and then they sent me down there again Monday and Tuesday night. So uh, Monday and Tuesday night, before I went down there, I uh, printed off the credential they sent me on paper. I had it in my, my, like my front shirt pocket. Uh, still didn't have anything around my neck. Uh, so now time to, to do all that. But I had it kind of ready. Uh, but ended up not needing it either night, of course. That's how it always goes, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I, you know, everybody's glad that you uh, had a relatively short experience like that. You know, others uh, obviously, have, other journalists have had uh, more, uh, you know, more severe experiences, and we've seen lots of reports of journalists getting caught up in the middle and uh, get a little, you know, taste of tear gas and getting uh, you know roughed up by uh, by officers uh, when they're in the middle of it i think there was a scene in front of the white house where an australian crew was live on their morning show and uh, the camera guy took a, a shield in the in the face pretty much uh, Ooh, i didn't hear about that one yeah that was that was um that was last last week sometime um, gotcha. but yeah but, but a lot of that kind of thing so but fortunately it seems like the uh the arrests have slowed down. I don't think there was anyone arrested in Atlanta Sunday night. So uh, maybe this has entered a, a new phase. What's, what's your take on that? Have we have we kind of yeah, transitioned so. to something else? Yeah, yeah. And thank you for mentioning that. I that's where I kind of eventually went. And my my quill piece was talking about okay, what happened to me was was pretty scary, uh, but it was also pretty short. And obviously there was no lasting damage or anything like that. Yeah, there was a reporter, a photographer in Minneapolis who was, uh, I believe, permanently blinded in her left eye by a rubber bullet. Yeah, there were journalists who actually spent uh, like the whole night in jail. Um, there were some that were assaulted by uh, people at the protest. I don't know if they were actually protesters, but uh, there was one in Arkansas who got a concussion. Um, there was a photographer in Chicago who had her camera stolen, a pretty expensive camera. Uh, yeah, lots of incidents. There's a, a group called, I believe, the U.S. Press Freedom Tracker, if I have that right. Press Freedom something. Uh, they were tracking how many incidents there were between journalists and police and protesters last week. And over the course of 12 days, there was something like 300 incidents. Uh, most of them police, but a few were, uh, were citizens or whatever. So, yeah, that's... Uh, there was there was a lot, a lot more than there should have been. You know, there, there should be zero for people who are out here documenting and recording and writing about what's going on. But yeah, that seems to have died down. Atlanta lifted its curfew on Saturday. Uh, I think there've been you know no no events locally at least um, since the curfew was lifted, and it's kind of lift, uh, lifted. Uh, that that's been the case other places as well. As far as you saying what's going forward, what's going to be the story? Yeah, yeah. What what do you see as the next uh, the next series of stories? Yeah, yeah so what, what I think is going to happen and what I, what I, where I hope this kind of goes is, okay, there have been all these protests, so, you know, what's, what specifically are, are we trying to change here? What, what policies might change? Uh, what laws might change? Uh, in Georgia, you know, there's the people talking about defund the police. Um, in uh, Georgia, uh, we are one of the last states that does not have a hate crimes law. So 
legislature is looking at that is Georgia going to finally pass a hate crimes bill, um, which is which is a pretty important discussion, of course. So uh, that's where I guess things are going to go is kind of into the, uh, you know, what what changes now specifically uh, now that we've had all these all these protests. But who knows? You know, the news always surprises you, as we all know. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you're on assignment for the post again this week. Mm hmm. Yep. Right. Uh, yeah, t tomorrow I'll be covering the uh, the the primary. And I don't know a yeah. ton of detail. I believe I'll be going out and interviewing people who were just in line to vote about you know why they're voting, who they're voting for, and that kind of thing. And I'm sure toward the end of the day I'll pivot toward uh, results, you know, <clears throat> one uh, that kind of thing. Right. Good. 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 Um, mm -hmm. So let's see. So so people can find you. Hasten, H-A-I-S-T-E-N, Willis, W-I-L-L-I-S. Google that. Google that, and you'll find his, his work uh, in a variety of publications. Does he do you have a website where people can find your, your stuff, too? Yes, and it's easy to find if you know how to spell my name. It's <laughs> hastonwillis.com. You can find me there. Uh, I have to admit, I'm not super active on social media, but if you do like a, a Google News search even for my name, you can find the most recent stuff I've. I put out. I, I, I uh, write for so many different outlets, and I really write on a very wide variety of topics. So I found that social media is difficult for me. If I start writing about politics and tweet about politics, I'll pick up some folks, but then I'll lose them when I tweet about sports two weeks later. So I've kind of uh, yeah. gone really light on social media lately. But if you can, you can find me by googling my name or yes, going to my website, hastonwillis.com. That's it. And you were uh, were you on CNN the other day too, talking about? Uh, I don't know uh, if I was on CNN, I did a uh, panel discussion. It was it was all online, but it was with CNN's um, Brian Stetler, who hosts a Sunday morning show called Reliable Sources, which is a show basically about the media, about coverage, um, which was which was really really cool. I was really excited to be part of that panel, but I believe it was just uh, it was just online. I know he put it on his website as well in podcast form. Uh, so if you go to Brian Settler's site, you can you can view that as well. Okay, I'll I'll see if I can I can I think I can add the the website URL into this before I before I post it. So that that'll be kind of scrolling along the bottom under under our faces there, so people can. Uh, yeah, yeah, please do. If you can't find it, let me know. I'll send you the link. Yeah, no, I, I I got it. I think I I think I put it in my I put I put the Quill story and I think the CNN story in my newsletter. The other day, oh, good. Too. Oh, you. I think it's on my blog because that was that was that, good, good stuff for. When's that coming for out? Cool. Uh, well, cool. Well, I, Hasten, I appreciate your time. I know it's a, it's late in the evening, so I'll let you go. But we've been talking with uh, Hasten Willis, a freelance writer who's been covering the protests and demonstrations and unrest uh, out of Atlanta for the Washington Post uh, in recent weeks. And join us next week for another edition of our Four Questions Journalist Spotlight. I don't know who we're going to be talking to, but. We'll be talking to somebody. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Asa. Yeah.